You're listening to the Hustler Hot Seat Podcast, episode number 29. In this episode, I sat down with Cheryl Sutherland, a transition strategist, speaker, and entrepreneur guided to help others in becoming their favorite version of themselves. By focusing on distilling a person's passion, she is able to help them reconnect and extract their own personal power. Cheryl is the founder of Please Notes, a for-purpose company of affirmation-filled products. Cheryl felt restless and underwhelmed at her 9 to 5, and after spending 1,400 hours in learning and facilitating personal development, coaching, and reigniting her inner creativity, Cheryl created a company that inspires women to step into their own power by building confidence, clarity, and creativity. Cheryl's energy is contagious, and you guys are going to love this episode. Plus, Cheryl left a great gift for you guys at the end, so make sure you tune all the way through. It was such a great afternoon talking with Cheryl, and I cannot wait for you to learn about everything she has to say. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Cheryl. You're listening to The Hustler Hot Seat, and I'm your host, Kirsten Perry. I help young entrepreneurs turn their passions into profit-building businesses. From marketing for your niche to partnering with your ideal clients, I'm here to help, and so are some of my fellow entrepreneurs. So grab a coffee, sit back, relax, worry about the hustle later, and let's get to it. Hey, Cheryl, and welcome to the Hustler Hot Seat Podcast. I am super stoked to have you on today to talk all about Please Notes and about women empowerment. So why don't we just dive right in and have you tell us your story? Well, thank you so much for having me on here. This is super, super fun. So like you already said, my name is Cheryl. Hi. Um, (laughs) I actually... I guess the easiest way to say this is that I've always been in love with possibilities and it makes so much sense as to why I've fallen into or I've chosen into the career that I have today. Um, So for those that don't know me, which is I'm assuming the majority of people (laughs) listening to this today, um, I have um, a plethora of things that I do. I'm a transition strategist, so I help people get from where they are in their career, whether it's like that they just want something more, whether it's to feel more powerful, whether it's to switch jobs entirely. Um, I kind of help them kind of navigate that. Or even if it's like you're leaving your job and moving into a new part of life, like how do you figure out what this next steps are or like how do you do that or who do you need to be in order to do that so I support people with that and I have this juicy company called please notes um so I have a line of affirmation filled goods and I'm all about helping you become your favorite version of you and I do that through um my guided journals um I've got all these things to remind you that you can be do or have everything so I've got sticky notes with affirmations enamel pins that are super super cute um wall decals and mirror decals um and then also water bottle label so um the whole company i've been doing this sort of magic for about uh it's going to be five years wow it's going to be five years in uh in 
November. So happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I have a toddler (laughs) and I've just been doing this ever since. So I love doing like workshops. Um, I love doing speaking gigs because like apparently I'm an amazing speaker. Um, And just, uh, just continuing to spread the magic as far and wide as I can. I love that. So how did you, you're a transition coach. So how did you transition into these affirmation goods? Like, like, where did that idea come from? Great question. So essentially, my journey isn't very different from anybody else. You know, like you're doing something and you're like, I'm really, really done with this, but I have no idea what this next step looked like. For me, I was very conscious of my self-esteem, my self-love, my self-confidence wasn't in the place where even if I did get a really good idea, I would run with it. So I started with the basics, working with um, affirmations, delving back into my personal development practice and doing a bunch of journaling, which I used to really, really hate because it was so vulnerable. You're so open and you're just like, you can't lie to yourself when you journal. And when you write it down, it makes it so real. So whether it's something good, whether it's bad, it's like, now it's out of your brain and it's in real life. So that was really interesting. And through that process, it was like, I've always been in love with personal growth and seeing people like excel and grow and realize their limits were self-imposed and they can do the magic that they really want to do. Um, and, uh, with that whole process of me discovering like that please notes was the thing like that, that was my next step is just surrounding myself with affirmations and helping people go through that same level of transition. So that's why uh, my journal is actually super juicy because it helps you get really clear on, you know, who you are, your gratitude practice, your self-love practice, deciding you want to be taking a, a decent look or like a deeper look at where your life is right now. Are, is it balanced? Where you want to go? And then last but not least, like, what is it that you want to leave behind? What have you not allowed yourself to risk? So then you can start really getting clear on like, okay, this is what's really important to me. And I'm really over letting anything else pull me away from doing that anymore. I think that's really incredible. And as I've kind of delved into entrepreneurship over the last, I want to say three years, I've gone through a lot of like self-doubt, fear of the unknown, and you think you're alone, but then you look around and every other entrepreneur is feeling the same thing. So it's really incredible that you've kind of taken that part of yourself and pushed it into something that can inspire others and help others. Um, And especially with the journal, because journaling is something I just recently started doing. And I hated it at first because I'm like, this is stupid. What's the point? Like, like I'm wasting my time. I'm tired. I just want to go to bed and like writing it down. You're right. It makes it real because other than that, it just stays in your head. Mm -hmm. So this journal that you've created, it kind of guides people through that process. Yeah, totally. So when you get really clear on the juicy bits, then it allows you to start really getting, you know, start getting into, okay, what does this part of my life look like if I had that? So there's this one portion where it's like your ideal scene when it comes to um, like your spirituality, your work, your physical or your relationships, and you can bubble out like, okay, what is it that I actually want? Then you're able to go into the journaling portion and be like, hey, this is what this looks like. Also on top of that, like I love doing um, different activities online. So I do IG lives and there's videos, there's free downloads on my website with just different techniques. So if there's something specific you're looking to work through, whether it's you want to manifest something, whether you just want to get what figure out like what is holding you back from 
this thing, like actually giving it a name so that you can get over it. Um, there's different strategies for that as well. So I'm all like, I was the same way. Like when I first started journaling, I would be going to these personal development workshops and they're like, go and journal in silence. Everybody's on silence. I was like, can I swear on this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, well, this is fucking stupid. Like, why am I doing Like I'd be writing down like, this is so dumb. Like I hate journaling. <laughs> journaling is ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. I'm writing because they tell me that I'm supposed to be writing. Okay. Let me just write something emotional about my mom or some bullshit. Like it was just garbage. Right. Because I wasn't let, like used to letting myself be that vulnerable. And, and I, you know, like, even though I'd gone through all these different things, like, it's still scary to say, Hey, this is, and at least for me to say, this is what I want. And this is what I truly feel, even though nobody else is ever going to see it for me to say, like, this is what I want. And it's okay. is was really difficult. Mm-hmm. So luckily I've strengthened that and I'm getting more magic in my life. So much magic. <laughs> that is so crazy. You know what? I'm thinking that everybody needs a little Cheryl in their life, you I'm know, <laughs> because that's the kind of energy like I need. I know that's the kind of energy other people need. And there are so many different ways to journal and it doesn't have to be like a cookie cutter, one size fits all. And I think that that's important. Like for me, when I first started, it was very much like I'm just writing down all the negatives. But then I started to see the value in actually journaling about things that are positive too. Yeah. And there's like this common association. People are like, oh, a journal is just a diary and you just use it to bitch about people. And I'm like, no, like I hype myself up in my journal, just like I tear myself down in my journal. Cause because like sometimes it's hard, sometimes you just need to like motivate yourself to do it, but it works. For sure. I feel like ultimately um, for a brand new journaler, there's three types of journaling that I like to tell people about. So there's the pre-manifestation, the post-manifestation and introspection. So the pre-manifestation, it's like before anything happens. So this is the journaling that I particularly like to do first thing in the morning. I do my meditation or like, you know, some people have a different routine. They'll like go and like sit on the deck and like enjoy sunshine or like go to the gym, whatever you do your magic, you come back and you decide this is what's going to happen to me today. Now it can be super specific as in like, I'm going to close a business deal. It's going to feel like this, like we're going to have a really good conversation, et cetera, et cetera. It could be um, something along the lines of really being really general. Like I just really want to feel successful today, or I want to feel um, excitement or play or joy or all those different things. Right. So when you decide what it is you want, the universe will conspire to give it to you first things first, but secondarily you're actually wiring and reprogramming your brain to, see that. So the more you practice seeing what you want, whether it's something positive or whether it's something negative, like you see people and you know people that all they do is talk about all the crappy things that are happening, then what are they getting? More crappy things. Even Mm -hmm. if some great things happen, they're just like, oh yeah, like they could win the lotto and they're like, oh yeah, well now I have to worry about taxes and like (laughs) need my number so people don't stalk me. Like you can simply like practice rewiring and rerouting your brain to all like the positive things and therefore you get more positive things to happen to you so there's a pre-manifestation there's also the post-manifestation so that one's interesting because usually it's like at the end of the day and you're just all like either something happened that you may or may not want it to happen or um you're just trying to summarize like some of the great things that happen so this one you want to be very particular about because 
with that, like if something bad happened or something unwanted happened and you're still in that energy of like, oh, I hate this and this is so stupid and I was so stupid and shame, 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 like just don't do it. You're not ready to do it because it's just going to amplify that negative feeling. If you're at the space of, okay, this happened, it didn't want it, I want to figure out like what energy was I flowing or what thought process was I on that kind of created this result, perfect, right? So you can be super scientific about it. Or if something amazing happened today, like you saw the cutest corgi walking down the street or like somebody sent you a dog video and you're like, yes, this is everything. Write that down, like that feeling of like joy and excitement and all that, because when you amplify those feelings then it allows more of it to come to you. So there's that. And then introspection. So for me, sometimes like, um, like there was something recently that happened to me actually the day before yesterday. And I was like a ball of different feelings, emotions, energy, and I couldn't particularly pinpoint what it was so I could get rid of it or move through it or whatever. And so in journaling, my feelings about it, okay, well, what are these feelings? It was like five different feelings. Okay, well, why is this happening? Like, what is the reason for it? And it's something that Brene Brown does, and she speaks about naming your shame gremlins. And in pointing out what it is, it's easy for you to identify, is this real? Is this not real? Is this something I have to work on? And then making it that way so that you can like move through it or use what whatever it is versus being stuck in it. Cause there's no point in being stuck in negative energy. It's not useful. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So that's usually where I come from with those. Um, and then from there you could go in and write about, okay, well, this is what happened. Now, what is it that you want? And reroute that energy. Like I want to have blah, blah, blah. And what does that feel like? And how amazing it is like day in the life. Like, Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I'm with my honey bun and we're walking down the street in Santa Monica and he's holding my hand and then he buys me ice cream. And I'm like, yeah, all that magic. <laughs> and then therefore you're setting yourself up for success again and getting back on track. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I didn't even think about journaling that way. Usually I just at night or in the morning, I just jot down a few things and I'm like, okay, that feels good. But when you say rerouting the energy, I think that that's really powerful. And I I think that that's kind of where I need to put my focus and probably some of the listeners do too. Um, I do want to shift gears just a little bit um, to talk about the, like the product based business that you have, because most of the guests that I've had on the podcast have been service-based and for people that are interested in starting a product-based business, I think it is kind of important to delve into how they would go about doing that and what steps they can take to launch. Certainly. So that's a juicy question. Now um, I love my business and it's interesting because now a lot of people have been uh, in, in my opinion, not really doing product-based businesses. And a lot of the information you get out there are more along the lines for service-based business or tech businesses, right? So even when you're going to pitch events, when you're looking for mentorship, it's like, oh yeah, are you in tech? No, I'm not. Okay, well, I don't know what I could do for you, right? <laughs> so the thing is with your idea is when you get really clear on your idea, it's coming from this place of like excitement, play and creativity. If it's like, oh, this is going to be a really great idea to make money, I probably wouldn't do it. Because the thing is, A lot of people get into business attempting to make a quick buck and business is takes five times as long and it's five times more difficult. And so if you're really focused on what you want and it's the positive, like this is a gift or you're going to support people or help people in this way, or you're going to fulfill yourself in this way, then that's what's going to take you through all those really dark nights, all that scary stuff. Right. So first of all, you like that's the, the most important foundation of your house, of your business, making sure you have a very clear 
idea of what that business is, who you want to serve and why, like it has to energize you. Then getting into like the nitty gritty. So thank God we have Google. Um, the internet is super, super useful. And if you're looking to start something, if you have like a clearer idea of what it is, just start writing out like what you want it to be. And then there's so many resources to get things produced. So you can go um, locally, you can go overseas, depending on what your um, your product-based business is, um, you'll be able to get the pointers to get things started. Now, in my um in my experience, when I first started my company, I started with one product and that was my sticky notes. And those had a different affirmation on every single page. And then I had pre-ordered and I bought a whole bunch of sticky notes and I was like slanging sticky notes. I'm like, yeah, so like they're in the back of my car selling five dollars a pack. And then eventually I was all like, you know what? This is not really fun. Um, I'm not here to really have a stationary brand. And then on top of that, like I want to bring in more finances. So I had the idea for a journal, but I was also like, I'm not going to pay whatever amount, like put that book like in ahead of time and then hope people buy that for me. So I actually did a Kickstarter campaign. So okay. that was actually, and in, in, if you choose to do a Kickstarter campaign, don't think that you're going to just do a video, throw it up and people are just going to throw you money. Like there is strategic things that you need to do in order to be successful. I luckily, um, not luckily, it was hard work and determination, <laughs> determination, but I, uh, my Kickstarter, my goal was $10,000 and I ended up raising 15 and that was when I was living in the U S so that's all USD. So huh, God's plan. And then I ended up, <laughs> right. I ended up um, moving product within the U S Canada, um, England, like Laos, like Vietnam, like all these, like, I'm like, who are these people and why are they seeing my stuff? So that was super, super, um, useful. And I got to pay for all of my stuff. So that was already done. That wasn't a burden that I had to carry. I had more product left over. And then I had a little bit of funds to start working on a couple things, like whatever that next step is. So marketing and stuff like that. So when you're thinking of your company, make sure you're thinking of it on like, well, how big do you want to grow? Some people really want to have a smaller business, like a mom and pop shop. And that's totally fine. But when you're building your business, make sure that you're doing, whether it's like bid spreads or looking for a manufacturer, all that sort of stuff, make sure you have that with your long-term vision in mind. Um, and then like, just be, be super fun and super uh, effective with the way that you choose to launch it. Make sure you have an effective strategy with this as well. And then I think, um, I guess the, the next thing that I'm kind of rolling into is the sales portion of your product-based company. So making sure that you have like a very clear message, like who you are, who your target market is, what you're looking at, problem you're looking to solve, and also um, your price points. So with all of that, making sure that you've got everything incorporated, whether it's your, like your shipping costs, like your variable costs, whether it's like the packaging material, all these different things. And then making sure that like when you're actually going out and selling it, that you have a price point that takes care of that. So um, for some people, they they have a, a certain margin and they've figured out what margin works for them. But then that margin is also going to work into your wholesale and your retail strategy. So let's say, for example, myself with my journals, um, I have it priced so that if I am doing um, retail, um, I make money, thank God. And then <laughs> there's also, right, hashtag, thank God. And there's also room for me to be able to discount if necessary. And um, my wholesale price is also indicative as well. So if you're doing wholesale, usually wholesalers like to make at least 50% 
or like whatever. I'm bad at percentages. That's why I like Google. Like, I, like <laughs> if they're buying widget A at five dollars, they want to be able to sell it at ten or fifteen. Then all, that also gives them the room for them to discount it. So if you're thinking about selling it to these people and pitching it to these people, you also want to bear in mind like that's the strategy that they want to have. So they're not going to take twenty percent. They don't really want thirty percent unless it's like really. Like it's something that's one of Oprah's favorite things. You might be able to negotiate that. But if you're just starting out, you're going to like these people are your customers, too. How can I support them and having a really great experience so that they continue buying from me? And then also that same thing on the um, on the retail side. I hope that's wow. Yeah, that's, there's so much. I know it's kind of hard to just <laughs> cover it all in one podcast episode, but um, it's such a different approach I would say than it is to a service-based business because there's no product moving there's no wholesale retail price um I mean there's a retail price with like a discount but you don't have to worry about the wholesale aspect and um I do think people are kind of transitioning out of product-based businesses but the people that want to still start them I think it's very important that they know that um and then at the beginning you talked about how hard it was, or I guess trying it was for your Kickstarter campaign, and that a lot more goes into it than just a video. What would you say makes a successful Kickstarter campaign? Great question. So I honestly think it's community. You are going to tap into, and this is the, okay, I'm going to take this back a little bit. The thing I love about a Kickstarter is it's a very clear indication of how determined you are to the success of your business. So with a lot of people, they're really great at creating stuff, but they're really bad at selling it. They're really bad at marketing it. And then, you know, like with most places, like you can have people do that for you. But when you're an entrepreneur starting off with your product-based business, you are your sales rep and you you are your company. So for me, with the Kickstarter campaign, it was very supportive for me in two ways. A, it was sales, but then B, it was marketing. So it forced me to have to, practice my pitch, communicate the value, and most importantly, ask for the sale, ask for that support. So like even two months or three months, four months ahead of the actual campaign, when I was actually developing the products, I was making sure I'm like to share it on Facebook or to share it like on Instagram and all these different places and get feedback from people that I know and I love. And I'm saying like, Hey, I would love your feedback on this. Or, Hey, can you take a look at this? Or what are your thoughts on this? Like a lot of people will do like their logo designs. I'm starting this new business. It's X, Y, and Z. What logo do you like? This is really supportive because it builds people's a buy-in because they feel like they're part of the team. They feel like they're attached to this. And yeah, of course they love you. Hopefully if you have good friends or if you're, (laughs) (laughs) they love you. But then also they're more likely to uh, share what it is that you're doing. They're also most like more likely to buy in as you're going along and you're um, continuing to communicate with people. You're like, well, hey, this Kickstarter is happening. Hey, it's happening. Hey, it's happening. And then, of course, calling people ahead of time being like, hey, this is amazing. I'm doing this thing. I'm super in love with it. This is what this looks like. Um, Would you be willing to support me? If they say yes, cool. How many would you be willing to buy? Mm-hmm. Now you could do this with a Kickstarter campaign. You could do it with any pre-order situation, right? But mm-hmm. you have to make sure that you're asking for that sale. And a lot of people are going to just support you because they love you and because they want to see you succeed. Um, and so, but like the most important thing is seeing, yeah, you're going to have that chunk of people. And then you're also going to see 
what else, what other results have you created? So a lot of people that have had unsuccessful Kickstarter campaigns are like, yeah, I'm just going to use influencers or yeah, I'm just going to have like my friends and family. Um, even if you're successful with friends and family, like your friends and this is okay. This is not MLM. Like you're not just going to call grandma every 15 days and be like, Hey, I need you to buy some more journals or I like it does not work because it's not proof of concept. You're not going to scale a business that way, relying on your friends and family. And then they're going to get like resentful and like really decide like that they don't like you anymore. They're not going to, mm-hmm. they're going to unfollow you on Facebook and then hide <laughs> you all this stuff, right. Um, and then having, having a very clear pitch, a very clear, um, idea of who you're serving and everything with that, that's also going to get them to share it. And then of course, cause word of mouth marketing is the most juicy version, like the best version of marketing. So they're going to sell, sell and share it to people. They're going to buy stuff for people and then they're going to end up being your new customers and it's going to end up growing that way as well. Um, and then of course with Kickstarters, when you do have a successful Kickstarter, um, if you decide to do it that way, I mean, there's so many ways like Indiegogo, et cetera, et cetera. But it's supportive if, as you're deciding to scale your business, as you're talking to investors, as you're talking to people along the way, they're like, oh, you're a serious business person because look at what you've done. Because Kickstarters are like a pain in the butt. And then in addition to that, <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying in addition. No, that's, that's okay. That's of the day. Um, uh, in addition to that, if you are using like tactics just to be successful with this Kickstarter campaign, what are your next steps to continue your sales? Right. So like, are you just like some people just do Kickstarter campaigns over and over again and they're really successful because they've mastered it. Like that's their niche. They're able to create community that way and been growing that way and even have it as like a marketing technique. But for some people, like if you do a Kickstarter campaign and it doesn't work or another crowdfunding campaign and it does not work, you have to look at how dedicated you are to your actual vision, what you're actually looking to create, who you're looking to create it for. And if you do have that passion, you have to get very clear on the messaging of that and saying that and communicating that so people can make that buying decision for you and for them. Community is a huge aspect, and I preach that all the time to the people, like the clients that I work with, that I do their social media. I'm like, you have to build a community. You want people to buy from you. You can't just say, "Hey, buy from me." Mm-hmm. You have to teach them and educate them, and it's a whole process from start to finish on getting them to. You're right. Feel like they are part of the product. Feel like they are part of the service. Mm-hmm. Um, And really building that community and having the ability to do it on Kickstarter, I think, is a great resource. And I think that that's why Kickstarter has been so successful. Um, So over the past five years, Mm -hmm. um, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced, not only with your product-based business, but with being like a transitional coach? For sure. So starting off with the business side, I would say the biggest issue that I've had has been communicating with um, my manufacturers what works and what doesn't work. So, of course, I'm not attempting to be like some, you know, stereotypical or like, you know, when women are assertive, they're like X, Y and Z. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how do I communicate what I want and like negotiating like price points and all that sort of stuff in a way that comes across as effective. So like there was this one manufacturer that I worked with 
out of England. And I was like, you guys are assholes. Like you really don't care about what I'm attempting to create, which you don't have to, but like, you don't really care about this business. You don't care about like that. I'm unhappy that half of my shipment didn't show up. Like that the product isn't this high quality thing that you and I had agreed it was going to be. So like, this isn't going to work. Right. And then being able to walk away from that business, same thing with having a vendor, just like, it just not work out. Um, and then I think other than that, it would have to be, there's two things. So like even my own self doubt and self confidence, like, can I do this? Is this something that's possible? Like who am I and um, imposter syndrome? Who am I to be able to do this? Like, sometimes I have like people read my bio to me and I'm like, holy shit, I did all that. Like for real, like that's me. Like I should tell my mom, like that's kind of a big deal. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, boy, I'm not going to clean my room. I'm in fourth. That does not work. Don't um, but, um, but in some of the rooms that I've been invited to, like let's say for example, I was in the, tell us pitch that just went on and I was in the top 100 and I was like oh that's really cool like I'm, I'm really proud of myself and thinking like oh it was a small contest people probably didn't know about this well fully it's like a nationwide contest so over 6,500 people applied and I was in the top 100 so why wow. do I keep thinking that my accomplishments should be that are so minimal when mm-hmm. it's very clear the feedback that I'm getting from people that see me, that I'm doing a really great job, that people love my products, that I have a great quality product, that this is actually making a difference and that it's important. Like, why am I holding myself back from that? Um, so definitely it's the biggest thing has always been my own mindset, my own limitations, and then just letting myself allow good things to happen to me, um, allowing business to be easy because I thought I had to just have this struggle situation going on when really like I could just send an email and say like, Hey, I have this amazing product. Do you want to carry it? Somebody will say yes. And he transferred me 700 bucks. Like it can happen. And it does happen. But mm. it's all about me. I think that all the time, like when I sit here on my couch, I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm nowhere. And then you take a look back at all the things that you've done and you're like, Oh my gosh, like I've actually, like I've done a lot. And I should be proud, but because we're in it every single day, like we're in the nitty gritty of it, like deep, it's, you sometimes forget to like come above water and be like, whoa, this is what I've done. And it's really hard as an entrepreneur to, to feel that way. Um, Because like you said, you hear it from people all the time. You're doing such an amazing job. Like you inspire me so much. And then sometimes you're just sitting in your bed and you're like, like, I feel like I don't even know what I'm doing. I feel like I have have no guidance or I'm not doing the right thing or I'm not I should be doing more and they're do- this person's doing this and I should be doing that. And it's like this crazy mindset that you have to almost shut off or journal about it. Um, and just like get out of your own head because being in your head is sometimes the worst place to be. Yeah, totally. Cuz like when you the thing that I love about journaling is it takes that swirl of conversation. Like you talk to yourself how many times a day and it's usually how many of the same thoughts. But if you have like a problem or dilemma or not feeling good about something and you're just thinking about it versus like getting it out of your brain and onto the paper, it's like, it's 
I feel like I, I'm all about efficiency and it's so inefficient. Like I will get mad at myself because I've thought the same negative thought 14 times because I have not chosen to pull it out of my brain and put it on the paper and light it on fire or just get it out mm-hmm. of, get it out of my head so I can make space for like good stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned um, over the course of the last five years? I think the biggest lesson, oh, so many. The biggest lesson would be um, uh, A, to not compare yourself to anybody except for yourself. Because especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're starting something brand new. Nobody else has done this and you've never done this. So what are the standards that you're comparing yourself from? Right. So mm-hmm. um, a really great book that had supported me in my like in the beginning of becoming an entrepreneur, especially a creative entrepreneur, was Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I used to listen mm-hmm. to that all the time when I was running. And she talks about like you have to allow creativity to happen. You have to allow like and it really has helped me up because I had the expectations of working in corporate and like grinding and doing X, Y and Z. And this helped me see like that was actually hurting me versus helping me and gave me different like techniques and like ways of thinking about things that were super, super supportive. So I think there's that. And then also just to be kind to yourself, don't put off like having fun or enjoying your life until this sort of goal happens, because that's the whole thing about regular work. You know, they tell people like work here for 50 years and then you can retire and then do things. But it's in these moments, it's like, as you're walking down the street, you could take that moment and just steep in it and enjoy the fresh air. Or, you know, instead of working late at night, you can shut down your laptop and like go for a massage or if finances are tight, just have a great conversation or like watch somebody's Netflix. Cause you know, you're not paying that $9. Somebody else is doing it. Right. And just, I'm that person. <laughs> right? Create that space. Like you have like, for me having boundaries, even between my work and myself, um, cause you, even though you love something, you can totally get wiped out. So like, I don't like to have my laptop in my room. I don't like to have products in my room. Um, that is my sanctuary and like making sure that I don't judge myself on my morning process. Like be nice to yourself. Mm-hmm. I think we forget that sometimes because it is the comparison thing. You look around and you're like, oh my gosh, they're hustling. I should be doing that. Like I'm guilty. I'm a social media manager and I'm like, oh my God, I got to be on Twitter. I've got to be on LinkedIn. I've got to be on Pinterest. And then I look around and someone is really killing it on LinkedIn. And then another person's really killing it on Twitter. And I'm just haphazardly doing it all. And then I realize that they're putting all of their energy into one. And I'm comparing something that's not even comparable, you yeah. know? And and it's like that vicious cycle of feeling like you're never doing enough. Mm-hmm. And then you you spend two weeks and you're hustling, you're working like 16 hour days and then you do get wiped out. Like last weekend, went to bed at 7.30 on Saturday and my body was like, Kirsten, it's time. It's time. Take a freaking break. You've done enough. Mm-hmm. And if you don't give yourself the break, your body gives yourself the break for you. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. So um, I think that that's great advice, especially about the boundaries because that's something I'm still learning. I know that everybody needs to kind of create those boundaries to make themselves happier, to make their lives easier and to continue to be successful. Yeah. If your boss asked you to work after work every single day and then work weekends, you'd be all like, 
this is some bullshit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? It's the exact same thing that you need to do with your own work. And whether it's just finding a really good process for you, like I'm an 11 to seven type of girl. Like I've always loved working 11 to seven. So like it gives me time to like meditate and do some really cool things in the morning and like exercise or whatever. And then my brain is fully switched on and fully integrated from 11 to seven. And then if I needed to do stuff in the morning or whatever, go to the bank, I have the ability to do that. Like it's super supportive. And then also um, creating processes. So now I actually deleted the mail app from my computer and I have it on Gmail. Like I have to log into Gmail to see my email, but I've also set it up. So I only check my email twice a day. Mm-hmm. So if you email me outside of like at, like at any time, you're going to get a really nice out of office that indicates that if you want to get a hold of me for any of these other things, this is how you'll get a hold of me and here are all the links. And then I only check my email twice a day and the amount of stress and like feeling that I need to reply to people right away or any of that sort of stuff, like it's so much better. So there's all these different techniques and you just need to find one that works for you. I love that. And I'm sure people can follow you on social media and find some of those techniques or reach out to you to see. Talk to me. I'm like, yeah. I'm in my DMs. I am also <laughs> the only one that does my social media. So like, I know my social media game is strong, so enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I'm always on Instagram. Um, so come in, let's have a conversation and see if we can do some magic together. I love that. So at the end of every episode, I do this thing called the rapid fire five and it's oh. just five random questions. You just shoot out the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. I think I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So what is your favorite book? Ooh, On a Pale Horse by Piers Anthony. And your favorite food? Lasagna. Are you a work from home entrepreneur or a work elsewhere? One. Work elsewhere. And where do you choose to work? Um, right now I'm in Make Lemonade. <laughs> uh, your favorite season? Summer. Much like everybody. Yeah, all year round. Just give me the heat. <laughs> and last one, your dream vacation destination. Ooh, I want to go to the Maldives. Ooh, yeah, I haven't so had that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> dream big. <laughs> Okay, so where can people find you online? How can they get in contact with you? Yeah, so the best way to get in contact with me is if you pop onto my Instagram, so it's please underscore notes, you'll see like usually it's like a giant P or it's a picture of my gorgeous face. Um, (laughs) And then you'll be able to pop on there. Of course, there's all the contact information. There's like the link tree. So just either send me an email or your best bet is just to slide into my DMs if it's just like a really quick question. Um, And then if you do see my email, like you'll also be able to see like any events and stuff that I've got coming up too. Um, But yeah, that's probably it. Perfect. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. When I met you at the Lemon Mixer, I was like, I need need to ask her. (laughs) She needs to be on the podcast because your energy is just so contagious. And I really hope that the listeners feed off that and really start taking action in their lives and start journaling. (laughs) Because I always love and appreciate being on podcasts. It's so amazing. Um, I love to leave you guys with a sweet treat. So if you visit pleasenotes.com 
please as in please and thank you, notes as in notes of love, um, you'll be able to use the code HUSTLER10 and get a sweet discount off of your please notes magic. If you're attempting to do something magical, if you just want to like get clear on what your magic is, or if you just want to feel better, more fulfilled and um, rock your whole life. Hit, hit it up. Get yourself some Please Notes magic. Get yourself a hustle kit because you deserve <laughs> it. Yes. I love that. I'm going to have to work with you and we're going to make a journal together. <laughs> oh, I actually do that too. That's another hustle I have is like I do Perfect. product support for speakers and coaches and trainers and stuff like that too. So. I love that. So for those listeners, if you are interested, hustler10 on pleasenotes.com. I am going to have to contact Cheryl myself because I'm getting fired up. She's going to help me transition. And for those of you um, that are looking for some affirmation-filled goods, you know where to find them. So Cheryl, thank you so much. This has (laughs) been a slice. This has been one of the juiciest episodes I've had yet. (laughs) I tasted it so good. (laughs) And we will talk to you soon.